So Joshua chapter 5, early one morning, I'll take you back in a little bit of history, but you remember this, early one morning aboard flight 93, became the passengers became fright, frightfully aware what was taking place over the skies of New York City and also near the Pentagon. Those passengers began to make desperate calls and confessions to loved ones. Their hastily conceived plans to take back their freedom included the recognition of risk of life and limb. When the time for action presented itself, you remember this name, Todd Beamer, and you remember this little two-word phrase that he used, let's roll, you know it. Well, today's let's roll has become a memorable phrase in the face of opposition. It suggests the moment has arrived, time for action has come. On September 11, 2001, everything changed and the world took notice. Well, Joshua chapter 5 will come to a, a word, a place, actually, Gilgal, which means let's roll or roll on. And uh, we know that in the plans of Israel now, they've come to this point that everything will change and the world will take notice. It opens with that familiar phrase, and it came to pass. Today we'll roll on in the face of the opposition they face. And on this day, the world would take notice this is the day that everything changed. I'll start with verse 9, then we'll go back. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away. So this sort of play on words with Gilgal, which means that I have rolled away the, the reproach of Egypt from off you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal, or roll on unto this day. The name Gilgal literally means to roll after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness Israel is now on the move again, which you may remember their crossing of the Jordan was a picture of our salvation. Do you remember that old chorus you may remember singing, rolled away, rolled away, rolled away? Do you know that old chorus? I'm not going to have you sing it this morning. You're shaking your head like you don't know it. My wife was going through some old, old hymnals this last week, remembering some old choruses. Every burden of my heart rolled away. Every sin had to go neath the crimson flow. You've never sung this chorus. I can't believe it. Some of you have. Okay. Rolled away, rolled away. On this day, God rolls away the past, ushers in a new day of promise for Israel. Let's roll is the fulfillment of what God had declared way back in Deuteronomy chapter 12 when he first said uh, when they crossed the river Jordan, now they would no longer do as they had done in, in, uh, in Israel in the past. This was now time of fulfillment of the promise. And as they roll on, notice, first of all, a new greatness has come. Verse 1. And it came to pass, when all the kings of the Amorites, the sworn enemies of Israel, which were on the other side of the Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites of this promised land, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the river. So just... What had happened last week, now they're taking notice of, which were, on the, which were by this, which, uh, the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel, until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. What a scene this must have been as they rolled onto the plains of Jericho and they pitched their tents this night. As the news began to spread, it struck such fear in the inhabitants of the land that they were literally paralyzed with fear. 
Now you may recall how the, when the spies visited Rahab, and Rahab said that the people were in fear for the God of Israel, this was different. This was more severe, it was more dramatic, it was more devastating than even that. The kings and the military leaders had previously heard the stories, but no doubt they had taken time to fortify themselves. So they had heard the story, they were afraid of all that the God of Israel had done, they had no doubt taken time to fortify themselves, but this this crossing of the Jordan, remember it was harvest time and the flooding Jordan provided what they thought would be a natural barrier against all those Israelites that had gathered against them. That they won't cross now. Surely we have time to prepare ourselves. But now, to see the waters stopped, the people cross, and then to return the flooding waters, the NIV says there was no courage. They had lost heart. Literally, it took their breath away. You ever been in a circumstance like that? You received the news, you saw something, maybe an accident that almost happened, something that happened that was so dramatic, so in your face, that it took your breath away. The Lord had promised Moses back in Exodus, I will send my fear before you and will destroy all the people that you shall come to face. David testified in Psalm 53, they were overwhelmed with dread where there was nothing to fear, but God scattered them and put them to shame. You remember the disciples in Mark chapter 4 when they were in the boat with Jesus? They had seen Jesus do miracle after miracle. They had seen him do wonderful things. But when the storm approached and Jesus was wakened, and he simply said, peace, be still. That brought a different level of fear in their heart than they had ever felt before. What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea would obey him? I'm no history buff, but for us who believe in Jehovah God, there is no denying that great battles in our world, in our nation in particular, have been won and lost by what others would call the circumstance of nature. But we recognize it as the hand of God. And my dear friend, when the fear of God truly grips our heart, according to Hebrews 13, we need not fear what man might do unto us. You better lay hold of that. I don't know if I'll live to see it, but you better lay hold of that phrase of that concept that when we fear God, we need not fear man. Hear, O Israel, let not your hearts faint. Fear not, don't tremble, neither be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. That was promised way back before they even wandered in the wilderness. And this is my God. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The greatness of a nation, the greatness of a church, uh, the greatness of your life, your family, is directly determined by the greatness of your God. But I am afraid that at times we seem to serve in our image a pretty weak God. Maybe the world does not respect us because of our own view 
of God. And the greatness was revealed through the next generation, verse 6. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until now to all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt. Remember, this is all following that time were consumed. They all died because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord. Remember the ten good spies, the two bad. And they wouldn't obey the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord sware that He would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn to their fathers that He would give us a land that flows with milk and honey. So you go back to verses 2 through 5 and it reminds us that this thing of circumcision or not circumcision we know that's not really the issue, but as a sign of the promise of Canaan, when they came up out of Egypt, they circumcised the male population. It was an act of consecration to the Lord in recognition of the Abrahamic covenant. But now, verse 5, there is an entire generation that has come along who doubted God. They ceased and died in the desert, and now a new generation is to be dedicated to the Lord. And there's actually a lot of debate when you read the verses and you read the commentaries. There's a lot of debate as to why they didn't follow this act of consecration even while they were wandering in the wilderness. But for me, the big picture sort of takeaway from this is how quickly our once commitment to God is forgotten in the next generation and they simply have no understanding. This present generation of Joshua has no recollection, no remembrance, no understanding of why they ever did this act of consecration in the first place. And we'll see this cycle again. By the time we get to the end of Joshua and all the things that God has done, we turn over one page, one generation to the book of those other generation after them, which won't even remember the Lord and won't remember what God has done for the people of Israel. And we'll turn to the New Testament. Circumcision, you know, is not the issue. Uncircumcision, but the ongoing dedication of the heart and life is everything. And everything can be lost when one generation fails in their commitment to the Lord. Well, this new generation must now be reinstated. The consecration that once identified them, as Peter describes, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And Peter takes that and imposes that onto the believer, saying, We are now the people of God, which had obtained mercy and obtained uh, mercy from the Lord. If we would hope that generations to follow us would remain dedicated to the Lord, we cannot rest on the laurels of a past generation. We cannot attend to the things of God when it's only convenient for us. We cannot back down on topics of, uh, of morality that make us feel uncomfortable. We cannot simply ignore sin because it might offend some friend or family member. We have to take by parallel, by, by sense of what's happening here, we have to take the sharp knife of dedication... And we have to cut out, if you will, the sin that does so easily beset us and with patience, with endurance, with dedication of heart, run the race that is set before us. Every next generation 
Every church, every family member, every individual must follow this call of this place called Gilgal to roll on, to continue the momentum. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember when you first started attending church? Do you remember how excited you were and how things were so wonderful and it seemed like everybody was on the same page? But you can't just say, I, I wish we could go back. We've got to move forward in the days that are before us and, and in ourselves also stay committed to the Lord. As John Wesley wrote, what one generation tolerates, the next generation embraces. Now you, you can think about all the list of things that are in your newspaper. Well, nobody reads the newspaper, but it's in the news today. Everything that the world today embraces. There was a generation, and I probably stand as, as part of that generation in, in fault. You say, well, they, you know, they just, no, they're not trying to hurt anybody. They just want to live their life. Maybe it's not such a big deal. And what one generation tolerated, this generation is embracing. And in some respect is being forced to embrace. Every generation must pray for God to bring revival, to restore the joy of our salvation, and pray that that work will begin in me. Revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee, Psalm 85. Well, this new generation that's come along now is going to enjoy a new grain. Verse 12, and the manna, remember the story? That dropped in their lap day after day. Remember that whole story of the manna in the wilderness? Everybody shake your head. Don't let it fall off your shoulders. Shake your head. Yep, yeah, I remember that. And the manna that ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the corn of the land, neither had the children of Israel manna anymore, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. You know, sometimes people remember the good old days. Remember that? The way things used to be. We talk about a simpler time. And just to use an outdated sort of illustration, and we might say things like, you know what? I'm going to get rid of my television or whatever. Nobody even watches anymore. We watch the internet. But, and we make some statement. Like, if I could just get rid of that, then everything would be better. And then we become convinced that the evil was out there somewhere. And we forget that the evil was actually where? It's right here in my heart. And everywhere I go and everything I do, I'm still taking the old sinful evil nature with me. You may think by going back to the old days, you know, you've eliminated some problem, but the devil will soon make sure that he's replaced that problem with something else. We cannot simply hope to camp out on the old days and just wish that things would go back to the way they were and that things would never change. When they came to Gilgal, God was not saying forget the past or try to go back to the past, but let's roll on. So there in verse 10, the celebration of the Passover, it's not a renewal of the old, but a reminder of what God had brought them through. The Passover was a memorial of the final act of which God brought them up out of Egypt. Do you remember that story? When the blood of the sacrificial lamb had to be 
applied to the post and the lintel across the top. Do you remember that? And if they didn't do that, that was the, that was the final straw that broke the camel's back for Pharaoh. Remember that? And if you didn't apply the blood, what would happen? The firstborn of every household would be slain. And as a result of their unbelief, Pharaoh said, get out of town. We don't want you here anymore. Well, the Passover is a memorial that when the death angel passed over every household, the blood must be applied to the doorpost. But now they roll on. Verse 11. In the very same day of this memorial, they took the parched grain. Parched grain, what is that? I don't know that it was corn, but it, it's like roasted corn. You know, or take your favorite vegetable, you know, and, and cook up a batch of it, whatever way you want to prepare it. And that's what parched grain is. So they, they've got now this grain, this new grain that they're able to enjoy. This was the grain land. They no longer had need of manna dropped in their lap. That was the past. Let's roll on. Memorials of the past must not themselves become monuments to worship as if we're going to repeat and hope to just keep things the same, but reminders of God's provision that cause us to worship Him. It's the same lesson that the disciples had taught them on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17. Do you remember when God appeared to them? Do you remember that whole transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured and they saw the glory of the Lord? And what did they say? Let's camp out right here, right? They didn't want things to ever change. This was the greatest moment if they could ever imagine, let's just stay here. And Jesus said, nope. Let's go back down to the masses, to the people, and preach them about Jesus. The memorials of the church must not stop us in place, but build momentum to roll on for the future. For example, communion. We'll take of communion today. It doesn't relive the death of Christ. It returns our attention toward Christ. Baptism. It does not wash away our sins, but it gives testimony to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. When God replaced the old grain here in Joshua 5 with the new grain, He was saying, let's roll on. God wants us to move on from the manna to the parched grain. And I'm just going to give you just a real practical kind of lesson from that. The everyday mundane is no less a manifestation of God's provision than was the manna. Now, just stay with me. Picking corn and beans in this new land is no less a provision of God than was the miraculous manna in the desert. But whether God drops something in our lap or not, just give me the grace to get up the next day and go to work. Just provide for my next meal. Just help me to do the thing I need to do in order to bring for me and for my family and for loved ones the things that we need for life. And then to understand that whether it's manna or tomorrow's daily work, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Stop looking for the miracle to land in your lap and just get up and do the next right thing and glorify God. See the goodness of the Lord 
in the land of the living. And when you begin to see everything as the grace of God in my life, there's a new glory that comes, verse 13, to the end of the chapter. And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, so they've come through the river, they've camped in Gilgal, and this imposing Jericho is before them, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, and there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua, no doubt with his sword drawn, went unto him and said unto him, friend or foe, right? Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, nay. But as the captain of the host of the Lord, am I now come? And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship him and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. This is what theologians call a theophany, right? A physical appearance of the spiritual. In particular, this must have been the Lord himself. The reason I say that is when you go over to Revelation 22 and there was worship that was given to an angel, the angel said, I'm not worthy of worship. Angels are not to be worshipped. And so this person received the worship. It was God himself appearing before Joshua. And a couple of lessons from this special appearance of the spiritual. First of all, consider the timing of this appearance. And I think you can take to heart with an increased measure of difficulty on the horizon of your life. So when you look out over the days that are to come and the circumstances of your life that you're facing, the things that you're going through, I think you can take to heart that with increased measure of difficulties that you face, you can expect an increased measure of encouragement from the Scriptures, from God, and from His work in your life. 2 Corinthians 12 said, He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul said, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Why? So that the glory of Christ may rest upon me. And then notice also what this appearance first caused the weary warrior to do. Verse 13, what did he do? He lifted up his eyes, right? He looked and he beheld the glory of God. What's the old phrase? When you're on the bottom, there's only one way to look, right? Look up. Psalm 121, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Only note that this appearance came on the heels of consecrating himself to the Lord. I think that's another lesson for us. God does not reveal himself to the curious. You know, people get in trouble and and, and, I, and I think foxhole conversions or deathbed conversions, they, they happen. There's no doubt it happens. But so often, people don't think to look toward God until the wheels have all come off their shopping cart and they just, they don't know which way to turn and look and they just out of curiosity say, there's no God. God doesn't reveal himself to the curious, but to the committed. Because on your own, according to Romans 3, you will never find God. You'll never understand God. Apart from the Holy Spirit, 
Apart from his work in your life, you'll never come to an understanding. But equally and oppositely true, on your own, you can never avoid evil. You just can't do it. We know that 1 Peter 5 tells us that the devil is like a roaring lion, and he's roaming about. He's on the move, right? He's rolling on. You may have defeated him yesterday, but he's still moving on, and he's seeking whom he may devour. That's exactly right. And by the way, the verse 9 says, whom resist steadfastly in the faith. And so Joshua stands there, no doubt, with a drawn sword ready to fight, and he asks of this theophany, friend or foe? And to this, the captain of the Lord's army, Joshua, fell down on his face and worshipped him. Joshua knew that by himself he could not do the task that lay before him. This city was not just like tents and cabins and something you throw a stick at. This was a fortified, ominous city, as we will see ahead. Joshua shows himself, as one author wrote, more fit to lead by his humility. Another author wrote, those know best how to command that know best how to obey. Who would follow a general that did not himself come up through the ranks and discipline of obedience himself? If you would roll on in your spiritual journey, if you would inspire the next generation, if you would help to stem the tide of evil that you see all about you, you must first learn to obey right here, right in your heart. Before you go out there and talk about some evil that's out in the world, let's talk about the evil that still is in your heart that will rise to the surface if given a moment, if you let down your guard for just a moment, that evil will rise to the surface in your own light. 2 Corinthians 7, if my people which are called by my name, will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. I will heal their land. Let's roll on. Zechariah chapter 4, not by might, not by, that's right, not by power, not by our own, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The battles they will soon face, they're real. They're physical, they're ominous, they're daunting, but they're not going to be won by bigger guns or an outnumbered army, but they will be made mighty, 2 Corinthians, they will be made mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let's roll on. Yeah, I wish I could go back to a simpler day. I could wish I could go back to a time I didn't fight the battles I fight today. I wish I could go back to when my kids were little and just seemed so happy. I wish I could go back to those days when just everything seemed to be moving in the same direction. And we let down our guard. And what one generation tolerated, this generation embraces. Gilgal. We got to roll on.